Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We're back with another episode of Unapologetic Idiocy here on Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas. And it is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020, Charlotte, North Carolina. It is rainy and just not really cold, but just shitty weather. Um, Remember to check out the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, um, and all other streaming devices or streaming apps. And then check us out on social media, Facebook, SoundCloud, or Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can check everything out at SouthernScrapNation.com. I'll always post the link in the bio as well as Facebook. You can check the link there. On the Instagram, you can find the link there. It's pretty much where everything is. So give that a check. Um, <clears throat> today we're going to get into some, uh, MMA news just to keep it going. And then, because technically right now we have a, we have a card set up. We have a card in May in Florida. It's not, a. it's not a hundred percent, but it's leaning that way because it's going to be in Florida. So I think first we're going to see how Florida opens up along with Georgia and all these other states, and then we'll see what happens. And then other states will, you know, do the following. Either they'll keep closed if it's bad or they'll open back up themselves. So May 9th, that's, you know, a couple weeks from now. It's about three weeks, three weeks out, two weeks out. It's two weeks out now. Um, so I know Tony's probably in shape and then Justin was getting in shape. I don't, I think it just gives him a little bit of extra time before he was supposed to fight in April this past weekend. So I think it's good for him that he gets this extra little bit of time to shape up. I don't really know what it means for Tony. He really made weight. I mean, he's a disciplined guy. He made weight for no fucking reason, but <clears throat> the idea of making weight and then you balloon up unless he knew that this fight was coming this fight was going to come hap- or this fight was going to happen May 9th then maybe he just is maintaining right now but you know you go through a hard fight camp and then you have to go through another hard fight camp i think tony though being a veteran and have being in the sport for so long i think he's understanding and i think he'll or not understand i think he just I think he just knows what he has to do, and I think it's going to be less hard work and less working hard and working smart where he's just going to pick up a different game plan for Justin where he had a game plan for Khabib, and then you have to also put in the hard work for Khabib. I think the hard work is there, so now it's just the game planning thing. And I mean, he's got good coaches in his quarter. He's got Eddie Bravo. He's got his Muay Thai coach that's been around forever, um, and then he's got himself. He himself has got that eye for fighting. So I think uh, I think it's just going to be a turnaround. And then for Justin, like I said, just gives him a little bit more time. Put in that work. Justin Gaethje. Yeah, he's trying to come in here and be the party crasher between the Khabib versus Tony thing. And then he wants to see what I see happening for Gaethje. If he can clean Tony out in the first round and, like, break him down and demolish him like he did his past couple opponents, 
right? Where it's been less of a, it's been less of the wild Gaethje that we know, and it's more been like calculated. For example, the Tony or the Donald fight, he knew he could catch Donald with the, with the, with a hook. Yeah, it was a left hook, right? And so that's what put him down. And then with Edson Barbosa, he calculated by walking him down and hitting him with the right hook. And then the same thing, because Edson Barbosa's got really good lateral movement and he'll end up chasing, you'll end up chasing him if you're not good at cornering. But Justin and his coach, shout out to Trevor Whitman, did a good job of, you know, getting it so he chased him the right way and they could hit him with the hook and put him down. He also beat him up with leg kicks too, which go leg, leg kick for leg kick with Barbosa, you better be confident. And then with the James Vick fight, he adjusted. He he got James Vick to lean back against the cage, um, angled off to the right, and I think hit him over the top with the right hand. Either way, he angled it right so ju- James Vick had nowhere to lean. Um, so, yeah, if he can go in there and game plan and beat Tony with, you know, precision <clears throat> and, you know, put him down and not just, like, put him down and Tony roll around for a while to recover, which is hard because Tony doesn't really have – he's got moments of vulnerability, but there's nothing, like, predictable. You can't you can't go, oh, we're going to trap him into lateral movement and then land the right hand that's going to be there, or we can't get him to just lean back into the cage and go backwards like the James Vick, or you can't just pick up on Donald's many, many fights. You know, he's got a certain – style right hands to feet he'll use his feet if you stay in range with him if you're in kicking range but when you go into the pocket hands to feet um and he hates getting pressured so there's certain things tony doesn't really have that thing you can he leans back when he is in the pocket a little bit but he rolls with punches so you're you're trying to you're trying to bite on him rolling punches, which is what he wants you to do. The other stuff that he might be vulnerable with, yeah, I guess it's just that. It's the leaning back. But even then, he kind of wants you to do that in order to set up elbows and the stuff that's closer. But other than that, I mean, it, he switches stances a lot. He throws punches and elbows at random times. There's a constant pace. It's very hard to put a beat on him. So... I don't know how Justin Gaethje and his coach Trevor Whitman and that whole team is going to um, game plan for him. But the one thing that Tony has that all the other fighters that that or the one thing that Justin has that all the other fighters that Tony hasn't that Tony's fought and beat, they all have like they don't have the. Let's go through Tony's opponents before I talk shit. What I'm trying to say before, yeah, like before I, is Tony Ferguson good? Okay. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Yeah, all the fighters that he's fought and on this win streak, maybe Gleason Debao and 
able to heal, maybe, but as far as like the level, it's not the same anymore. Like they're not the same fighter as a Kevin Lee or a Justin Gaethje for that fact. But all the fights that Tony's fought, none of those fighters have had the one shot knockout power that Justin has, right? Obviously Pettis has with the kicks, but he wasn't gonna get he wasn't gonna get those kicks off going backwards. And yeah, you could argue the knockout punch from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Stephen gave him the distance to literally jump and punch him in the face. Tony doesn't give you that distance. So out of all those fighters, he hasn't fought anyone with this like and it's not that Justin Gaethje's got like a uh, like, it's not that he needs to touch you like a Anthony Rumble Johnson or anything like or a Francis Ngannou for that matter. It's more of just a right placement. He's really good at putting his he's really good at putting the putting his uh, knuckles to the chin. That's what he's like good at. He hits hard. But that's the one thing that I don't think Tony, I mean, Tony's got great recovery, but we got to remember, we got to remember that there's a difference between great recovery and someone that can just like shut the lights out, especially if you're going backwards and hits you with the right punch and he touches the right place. Tony does a lot of cardio and that scientifically, I think you can find the articles. Um, cardio helps your recovery because it produces a certain protein I think it's a protein that helps you. Like, for example, the Diaz brothers, why it's hard to get, it's hard for them to get, like, knocked out is because they have this, you know, they have the cardio to back it up. Cardio helping recovery from getting. Okay, I asked the fight. Did Franco's cry? Let's see. Okay, let's do this one because this is literally about... Oh, it's on MMA Junkie too. So I have... I do believe a person can lose in consciousness. All knockouts by definition are concussions, concussion injuries, even the blows that do not cause obvious I mean, yeah, no, this isn't what, I mean, this guy's just saying that the sh every shot was like a concussion and he suffered a concussion. It's like, yeah, but that's not what we're asking. We're asking, does it help him recover? Um, I'd have to, I'd have to ask my friend. He's got, he's got like the actual news article or like science article about it but having good cardio helps with your recovery and it helps with not getting like knocked the fuck out um also getting not getting knocked the fuck out helps with not getting knocked the fuck out so you know tony's never been like cleaned like knocked out clean um so that helps once your body starts getting that you know knocked out Chuck Liddell kind of thing, bad knockouts, your body starts going, that's the response to do, and it starts doing that.
So, um, we'll see. I'm excited for this fight. I kind of just like broke it down just now. Haven't really given it any thought, but that's my raw, it's my raw analysis of it for right now. But let's go ahead and start talking about that. Oh, and then after, it, let's say he beats Tony. So let's digress back to the main point of this about the article that I was just brought up on MMA fighting. Justin's looking to end this whole saga between the two of them. His idea is he goes in there, knocks out Tony Ferguson, and then now he's booked to fight Khabib. Um, and people have always been like the MMA experts, quote unquote, have been talking about how like Gaethje is the perfect style for Khabib because he's like anti he's got this high level wrestling and he can stop the takedown and then make him pay for it, especially in close distance. I don't necessarily know if that's true because Khabib's style of wrestling and Sambo is the is the kryptonite to Gaethje's wrestling background. Anyone that's fought Khabib, like Al, Al Iaquinta, for example, is, the, is probably the best example. He st- obviously he, stopped, he started stopping takedowns, but um, let's see who what other rec- what other wrestlers. I'm trying to think. He's got other. Ally Quinta. Da, 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 da. Abel Trujillo, I'm pretty sure has a has a wrestling background. Let's look at Abel Trujillo's background. Okay, that doesn't fight history. No, I don't want to know that. Um, either way, maybe it's not able, um, but there was, he's fought certain fighters. He's fought in certain fighters with like, uh, let's, let's just use Ally Quint as an example. Even Rafael Dos Anjos, because he comes from a jujitsu background and in jujitsu, when you start getting real good, the wrestling that you use is mostly American freestyle folk style wrestling so double legs single legs like the traditional stuff uh, Khabib's style is like the kryptonite to it because in those folk style and freestyle your goal is to let me see I think it's folk style more either way the semantics um your goal is to get back to your feet like when I wrestled in high school if you got taken down like all your you like your main thing is you touch the ground, use that momentum to shoot back up, break the grips, turn around, take a shot for yourself, pin them. Like that's what you do. You if you get taken down, you get up, you reshoot, you take them down, and you pin them. Perfect world. If that's what happens. Perfect world is you go out there, you take them down, pin them, and that's the name of the game. Um. So why it's the kryptonite is exactly what Khabib shows in his fights he wrist rides hard as soon as he expects you to come back up inside trips with his feet um he expects you to try to break the grip and that's when once he breaks the grip he trips you takes you down wrist rides punches sambo's sambo especially combat sambo it's like it's designed to punish the human reaction 
if you get taken down, you want to stand back up so that way you can start punching. Human, it's the human like reaction. It's like what you would do in a fight. If I was to fight you and I take you down, you don't want to like fight on your back. That would be counterproductive and fucking dumb. So you would do your best. Maybe you throw some elbows or you attempt a submission to create space, stand back up, and then we're back on even playing field. So that's where I see the Justin thing is he's very good with the whole wrestling thing. I'm sure he can stuff shots. He can, you know, break grips. He can get out of there. He can scramble very well. That's what Khabib's good at. He's good at hoping you fucking scramble for your life and try to get up and try to break. And that's, I mean, Justin doesn't use his wrestling. So it's not that he's, he's very good with it, but it doesn't mean that's like his, oh, I'm going to get even better with it. He uses it to, he uses it as like a layer of armor. I have it. I'm very good with it. I polish it every day. But I don't need to add to this armor because then it takes away from what I'm really good at, and that's knocking you the fuck out. So it would just slow him down if he was like, all right, I'm going to go from throwing these punches to now taking shots too. You're going to gas yourself. Like, it would probably gas himself out doing that. Or he could use his gas tank to kick the fuck out of your legs and punch you in the face. So that's where I think Khabib in that fight is it, it plays to him more, right? The whole fighting off your back is what we haven't really seen, and that's where we've actually seen more of the danger or where Khabib's been in danger. Justin jumping for that guillotine, everyone's like, oh, my God, he's going to make Khabib like go to his back. Yes, Justin hit him with a hand, overhand. Michael Johnson hit him with that punch. It shook him. Most fights, people are going to get shook in a fight. Now, that points out, does Khabib like getting hit? Probably not. He's probably got that Brock Lesnar kind of mentality where that's why he's such a good grappler. He's like, fuck getting hit. Um, He's gotten better with striking, but just because you get better at striking doesn't mean you like getting hit. Some fighters, Tony Ferguson, for example, and that's why that Khabib-Ferguson fight is so exciting is because what Khabib is very good at is the kryptonite to what most people do and what the previous generation of lightweights was. Uh, except for BJ Penn. BJ Penn was a anomaly in that sense. You know, a jiu-jitsu guy who also striking is very fucking good. Um, you know, it's not typically what lightweight is. Lightweight's the bet. They had Anthony Pettis was there for a little bit, but even then, yeah, I mean, Anthony Pettis was kind of different too. Rafael Dos Anjos is a good example, pressure fighter. Um, Eddie Alvarez, pressure, pressure fighter. Khabib, pressure fighter. Tony Ferguson, pressure fighter, but also adapts, right? He then fights off his back which makes him another, another level of a pressure fighter. He's a pressure fighter, but then when a fighter that doesn't like getting pressured and you get a Khabib who's like, fuck this, tries to take you down, and then he enjoys fighting off his back. And that's what I'm saying with this Justin Gaethje-Khabib fight is Justin doesn't have that, oh, okay, sit in my rubber guard while I elbow you. He's got the I'm going to stand back up mentality. And that's the problem. Khabib thrives with people that just want to get back up. Because he wrist rides, punch, 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 wrist rides, punch, punch, punch. You get tired. You don't know when to stand up. You don't know when to 
and then eventually choke, whatever. Um, but if you're a Justin Gaethje fan, it's not a bad fight. There's always a chance he knocks Khabib out. He's the he is the Tyron Woodley of the division. He's the Yoel Romero of his division. He's the Rumble Johnson of his division and the more Derek Lewis of his division, right? He's like the He's got better wrestling than Anthony Johnson, but he's he's one of the only guys in that division who's got true one punch knockout. Dan Hooker has one punch knocked out people. Justin Poirier has also one punch knocked out people. How Tony Ferguson has one punch knocked out people. However, it's not usually their game. Even Connor, even Connor doesn't one punch knock. He has, I mean, Aldo for sure. But he's, I mean, it took him two rounds with a, with a Eddie Alvarez who, like, froze to knock him out. Now, Eddie Alvarez has a good chin. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying, like, there's no one in that division that has what Justin has right now. All right. So, anyway, um, those are my breakdowns. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was 21 minutes of breakdown. Uh, Luke Rockhold's getting an itch to fight again. Save it, dude. Keep doing whatever you're doing in your life and getting paid for it. It's dumb. I don't know who he'd fight. I'd go back down to middleweight if I was him. Or maybe go to lightweight, light heavyweight, and just not be so fucking cocky, I guess. I don't know. He's got that. If that his, if the sh- his shin heals and he's not you know, hesitant, he addresses the whole leaning back thing, doesn't take his opponents. For, uh, he's got some work to do. So I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what he says because he's talking about getting the itch to fight again. Anderson Silva, that would be a good fight. Chris Weidman's a good fight. See, these. this is what I'm talking about. This is what he needs to be doing. He doesn't need to be going up to 205 and trying to fight the number one contender and getting his fight with UFC. Or with the getting number one fight and then going after the champ and John Jones. Like he doesn't need that. He had a soldier surgery, but he's got to address that fucking chin thing. He wants the 185, which makes sense. You have to get healthy. If it's getting healthy and getting everything right, just taking some time off and pushing hard for 15 years in the sports, and I have to have a break mentally. It's free and getting focused on it. Yeah, I think an Anderson Silva fight would be interesting. Um, I think a Chris Weidman fight would be interesting for the both of them. They definitely need it. Um, it's easy to sell. It was a good fight the first time. Uh, oh, if you guys haven't seen Nick Diaz's debut against Jeremy Jackson, it was their third fight. Jeremy beat him. Nick beat Jeremy. Closing it out. It's pretty good. You you forget that like there was a time where Nick Diaz was a you know like. As much as they're boxing, like, what's up, motherfucker? Like, did a lot of taking down in that, in that fight. It wasn't the most exciting match of Nick's. I mean, he does a good job with the ground and pound, but 
you know, not the not the best. He did a lot of taking down in that fight. Everyone is trying to fight. Let's see. Okay. Nothing else. Gilbert. Let's see. Let's see. I can honestly say it never mattered to me, but I will believe it usually more difficult to referee 125 to 155 fighters are just much faster and pull off crazier techniques. Okay. I mean, that's understandable. Dominic Cruz putting out a Move like cruise book. Oh, solo footwork drills. Oh, that's cool. People are gonna do it and then blow out their ACL and get plantar fasciitis hard. But you know, if you guys wanna, if you guys wanna move like him, go for it. <laughs> blow those legs out. Fucking he. <laughs> I want to move like a guy that has like no knee problems. I want to I want to find a fighter. It's like I've never had any knee problems, but yet they're like movements fucking ridiculous. Like Mighty Mouse, like, I don't have any knee problems. <laughs> oh, sick, sick! I want to see how, how you fight. I want to learn your foot footwork drills. Uh uh uh. Anyway, like I said, check out Fight Fight Lab right now or Fight Pass right now or just watch old fights. It's fun. It's fun watching old fights. Um, reason being, I just watched Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisming too. People forget, even though Michael Bisming, like older Michael Bisming, um, he's one of the few fighters that even now his combinations – He'll start them hitting air, and by the end of them, he'll be hitting your face. Like, he's one of the few fighters who has the, has the cardio to, like, start throwing when you're not in range and then end up in range. A lot of other fighters, like, they'll throw one, they'll throw, like, a big kick, and they'll do that whole, like, spin around thing even though they're not in range just to find range or create that ring for them to figure out where they're where they need to go. But most people don't like throw a kick, step forward, throw punches, and then end with a switch kick, and that switch kick like hits them in the face, hits the person in the face. <clears throat> and that's when Michael Bisming wasn't young. That was him after getting knocked down in the first round, second round gets knocked down. I did the refereeing and um, judging courses in North Carolina for MMA and boxing. So certified referee, all that cool stuff. Um, and they sh and one of the things that they did 
is damn this dude. Um, uh, this the one thing that they show they show us matches. They show us matches, uh, and you kind of have to you have to judge them. This dude just did. This dude's an MMA fighter or something. Uh, holy shit. Um, oh, fuck. Uh, sorry, that was really interesting. I'll, I'm going to break this down for you guys in a second. Uh, what was I saying? And I'm getting away from it. Fuck. Fuck. If it comes back to me, I'll talk about it. God damn it. I just lost my train of thought. But what's happening is I saw this saw this video right now on Reddit where this guy is uh, two guys. I don't know if this is fake or real. It's got to be fake. This looks way too real. Or this way, looks like way too movie-esque staged. Oh, Michael Bisming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it just shows. This is Michael Bisming getting knocked down after two rounds. The judging, da 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 They show us, oh, they show us. Round or certain fights like they showed us the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, um, 11th round where he gets knocked down, and then you have to score it, and then they, you know, you argue why your score is right or wrong. Most people agree, and then there's like that one or two person that has no idea what the fuck they're talking about, um, and they get it wrong. Uh, they should show us that Michael Bisbing fight because the first round, Michael Bisbing's doing well, he's outscoring. Dan, but then Dan lands that right hand, and then Michael doesn't do anything for, and then Dan, and then Michael comes back at the end of the first round a little bit, you know, he he starts pressuring again and establishes, um, you know, he's in charge of the dance, so you could argue that's a ten nine round, because yeah, it's ten must scoring system, where if you get knocked down, it's a point, but. There's argument that Michael Bisping fought back and like leveled it off at the be- at the end of it, so it's ten nine. Whereas in the second round he gets knocked down and then he doesn't do as much work and just holding guard for the rest of the round. That's a ten eight in my mind, right? So that's the type of fight. That's the fight that they should show. But anyway, this is what I saw on Reddit: guy car uh, UK because they're getting out of the wrong side. Some idiot in a car. The guy in front gets out oh guess he's mad about something uh gets a bat and starts and like knocks on the guy's door trying to fight him the guy oh the guy okay so he hits his car the guy gets out of his car and just the guy swings back with his bat and then just gets knocked out his buddy comes rushing at him goes for a takedown against the car smacks him or and then like tries to tries to hit him against the car with his shoulder like ram him into the car like real shitty double leg the guy grabs the guy's face and does a great hip throw off gets on top can't really see anything because it's from the dashboard in the car behind both of these cars and then as we as the guys get up the guy whose car was getting hit is on this other guy's back choking him out he gets his hooks in and he chokes him out so he must know something. Yeah, because he chokes him out. He obviously, boom, real quick. And he gets back in his car. So the other guy is knocked out in the grass, and the other guy's passed out in front, and he just takes off. 
Good work. Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu and boxing. <laughs> Just fuck these two guys up. I hope. I, I hold on. I'm going to look in the comments and see if this shit's real. There's no way this is real. Yeah, no, it's real. Most people in the comments is like, this is the popular part of Reddit, so it's not like, not like the BJJ subreddit or anything like that. It's just a um, popular thing, so it's like people that don't know what the fuck's going on. They're like, oh my god, he killed two people. Didn't kill anyone. <laughs> Choked him out. Um, let's see news. We'll we'll shut it out at news today. Top vaccine expert claims he was fired for resisting Trump on hydro hydroxychloroquine. I don't know, man. It, it, with anything with something like this, like there's no way to know if like hydrochloric quinine is hydroxychloroquine is the fucking answer like yeah it works for some people but not everyone's doing it and not it doesn't work for everyone so there's no way to know if like that's the fucking answer it should be one of the things that they're um should be one of the things that they're trying out but it shouldn't be like all right that's where we stop we just first one that works no, you got to – it's just beginning. So for those that it does work, good for them. But like I said, not everyone is it working for. And you got people like in my mom's – in my mom's uh, neighborhood that's like, you got to get everything with that's got uh, quinine in it. You got to drink certain type of tonic water. It's like, let's not – all get crazy and start drinking tonic water just to <laughs> just to try to make sure we don't get this. And I'll just keep doing what you're doing. Take your vitamins and fucking wash your hands. You don't need to all of a sudden start adding carbonated sugary drinks to your life. Ugh. <laughs> oh, people are awful. Um that being said, let's see what else is in the news. No dirt 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 dirt. People still protesting. Let's see what else is there. Trump disagrees with Georgia to push to reopen. I thought he was all about it. Trump says it's a bit too soon. They can wait a little bit longer. Just a little bit. Not too much. Not much. Terrible, terrible, terrible impersonation. Yeah, I mean, they just want to open up little things like salons and shit. The U.S. response for coronavirus is an F for failure. Hey, let's relax. Let's relax. Let's relax journalists on trying to critique government. Like, not even government. Yeah, go, yeah, let's say. Just those government officials... Let's critique them. Let's critique you on your response. How would if you how would you handle this situation? 
Oh, would you get an A? Would you have done everything fucking right? Or would you have immediately freaked out and then freaked out and told everyone and then in turn, you know, in turn getting a real F for this. They're doing a pretty good job, you know, as far as extending stay-at-home things without making people go, fuck this. They're... They're getting to that point now, but they didn't immediately start there. You know, everyone was kind of into it. There's still people that are into it. People are like, stay at home, stay at home. So, you know. Let's see. Kind of slow news day, to be honest. Which is good on a Thursday, I'd assume. Let's see. Let's go. All news, U.S. news. Oh, this is okay. <laughs> U.S. judge. U.S. weekly job. Okay, U.S. weekly, CNBC. So take it as it is. Jobless hit claims 4.4 million, bringing, bringing five-week total to more than 26 million unemployed jobless people. Crazy. You know what I wanted to look up? I wanted to look up. Whose population the pop oh, fuck, I was listening to something today and they were talking about the population or they were talking about a certain country. Oh, Korea. South Korea. I want to see what their population is. Cause they had a good response to this, right? And I want to know. So their population is 51 million. Texas is 29 million. Okay. So Korea's Oh, I guess they're still under quarantine? South Korean bars entry. Okay, so this is April 3rd. I want something super recent. April 10th. The latest. Electric bans for Koreans who break quarantine. Oh, shit. The latest. I wonder what. This is out of AP News. I don't know what the fuck AP News is. The Associated Press? Okay. Uh, top of the hour. Worldwide Corona deaths toll only 100,000. Mm, that's not bad at all. South Korean government says it will put electronic wristbands on those who defy self-quarantine. He says authorities need more effective monitoring tools because the number of people placed under self-quarantine has ballooned after the country began enforcing 14-day quarantines on all passengers arriving from abroad April 1st amid worsening outbreaks. Under the country's recently strengthened law on infectious diseases, people can be can face up to a year in prison or 
as fined as much as $8,200 for breaking quarantine order. Shit. Lee said that those who agreed to wear wristbands could be placed, possibly be considered for lighter punishment. I don't know what that electric bands means. Does that mean when you walk out of the house, it fucking shocks you? <laughs> like a dog? Oh. I don't like that. Let's see if there's any North Carolina news. Rome news. Paris news. I had to look up the Associated Press because I don't know what they're about. Anyway, I guess before we leave, because there's not really much news to go on, um, I can let you know I watched two things on Netflix that are probably worth watching. Waco is definitely worth watching. Goddamn, talk about government then uh, with the Ruby Ridge incident. I'm not 100% sure. They're painting it in a light where... um, I guess what most people think were ATF fucked up. And I guess that's why we don't hear too much about ATF anymore, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Department, because they went to Ruby Ridge, and this guy, um, the Weavers, Randy Weaver, um, was a former Green Beret, but according to them, he he had ties to the Aryan... um, the Aryan Brotherhood. And so they wanted him to become a fucking, I guess like a, a mole for them. And he refused, but it's because he wanted to move his family up to Ruby Ridge, Idaho. And when he moved up there to get off the grid, live solely on water that he's, his family, you know, purifies and makes for himself their own drinking water, their own electricity grid. Like he wanted to go off the grid. Um, they book him for an illegal firearm and he says, okay, they, they set a date for his trial, but then his parole officer said that it was a different date. So he ends up missing that, allowing a warrant for his arrest, which then transpired with the ATF coming to Ruby Ridge and having a little bit of a shootout. But what happened was the ATF agents came in, shot his dog. Um, his son went outside to see who the, why the fuck are their gunshots, and he got shot, or someone got shot, um, guy in camouflage, shoots, and, you know, there's no announcement that it's, we're the ATF, come outside with your hands up, like, nothing, it's just like a special forces, you know, thing, you know, Randy Weaver, let's see if I'm getting the name right, I'm doing a pretty good job kind of talking about the siege of Ruby Ridge. I just want to at least... Randy Weaver, I'm right. Woo! So then the sniper, Lon Horucci, ends up shooting his wife in the head. And then there's like a little standoff until they get FBI negotiators to get him out and a whole thing. But it... The... The out... One... Fucking everyone... The controversy of it's ridiculous. If any adult... So there was deadly force... Okay. On August 22, special rules of engagement. Rules of engagement, ROE. 
uh, were drafted and approved by FBI headquarters and marshal services to use on Ruby Ridge. According to the later RRTF report on the DOJ, um, or report to the DOJ, District of, uh, Department of Justice, uh, the Ruby Ridge um, ROE were, fo uh, were as follows. If any adult in the area around the cabin is observed with a weapon after the surrender announcement had been made, deadly force could or should be used to neutralize the individual. Of course, they were armed because someone came onto their property in the middle of Ruby Ridge, um, Idaho, and started shooting people. So they're armed people. If any adult male is observed with a weapon prior to announcement, deadly force can be used. So they sh shot at them. Without, if the shot can be taken without endangering any children. If compromised by any dog, the dog can be taken out. They shoot the dog. Shooting something is a loud noise, and it's a very distinct noise. And if you know what guns are, someone shooting shit on your property, probably going to come out with a gun. If any subjects other than Randy Weaver, Vicky Weaver, Kevin Harris is presenting threat or grievous bodily harm, FBI rules of deadly force. Da, da, da. All right. The ROE was modified from adult to adult male to exclude Vicky Weaver, who gets shot anyways. Um, deployment of... So then... You have this guy, he snipes, shoots, and ends up killing her. So here it is. Um, sniper shots. R. Weaver ruining, uh, wounding and uh, Vicky Weaver killing. Um, before the negotiations arrived at the cabin, FBI sniper Lon Hor Horuchi, from a position of 200 yards, with a sniper is not that far, shot and wounded Randy in the back with a bullet, exiting his right armpit, while he was lifting the latch on the shed to visit the body of his dead son. Because his son was shot and killed when he went out to check what happened. And then as Weaver, his 16-year-old daughter, Sarah, and Harris ran back towards the house, Horiruchi fired a second shot, killing Vicky and wounding Harris in the chest. Vicky was standing behind the door, though which Harris was entering, holding a 10-month baby, El Shaba, in her arms. So, yeah, no charge against Weaver is something to consider. Yeah, so, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so that, that steamrolls into what happens at Waco, and that's what the show's about, is about the 51-day standoff against the FBI in Waco. Um where, you know, this guy, David Koresh, has this end-of-the-world cult place where the FBI or ATF gets an, some, some information that they've got illegal firearms there, and in order to get, in a, warrant, to get a warrant for it, uh, Uh, they used they used that, and then um, David Koresh was he had I think he had a kid with like a, a woman that was under the statutory limit. So then they were going to charge him a statutory rape. Um, and all happened in Texas, and then that all that whole fifty. And there's all much more to it. You just got to watch the show Waco. But then that then leads to the Oklahoma City bombing. So it's like everything's connected. The show goes over it. Um, it's really crazy. 
I'm into like cult shit, so it's kind of interesting to me. Um, even though it's not really a cult thing, it's more about how the government and these government organizations kind of, um, kind of engaged in military action against American citizens. So it's it's more focused on how the how it changed the rules of engagement for people in law enforcement against their own citizens because it's kind of fucked up. It's really fucked up what they did. Um, you know, obviously they're going to highlight the four ATF agents killed, 16 wounded. But on the other side, six killed and then 76 killed on April 19th. But I, that might have been from something else. Um, anyway. Also, they, you know, it, crazy, craziness. All right. So definitely watch about watch it if you're into it, like if you're into this kind of stuff. Even if you're not into it, you got nothing else to do. And it's kind of interesting look on the life or uh, of our American history, because this is our history. Um, we're a very young country, but we are a country that was developed after most, you know, the technology, like the big renaissance boom happened. Like, we already passed this. We're pretty, the United States was created in the most recent time of all history, of history of humans in this world, right? We're like the last minute or the last second of the last hour. So our history isn't cool shit like the Hundred Year War or not saying the Crusades were cool, but it's more interesting because it's, you know, knights and the way people thought back then, Viking times and all. Like, we don't have that history. Our history is people with assault, assault rifles laying siege onto uh, a compound in the middle of Texas. Like, that's our history. It's not great. It starts with the Revolutionary War, which is, woo, awesome. But then it moves into, you know, shit like this. Like, it's, uh, it's not, it doesn't get, it's not it, the exciting stuff of, oh, man, King Arthur and where these legends come from. It's not very legendary. It's more like people misunderstanding each other, but it's because we're very, it's because we're very close to it. I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll seem very different in the future. It might seem different in the future. We got really good accounts of it, so I don't know how different the portrayal of this will be in the future. Like, it's play-by-play what happened. We got, like, the play-by-play of this, so it's very hard for people to be like, and then in one day, this is what happened. And There's no lore to it. It's more just, this is what happened, here are the facts. And there's some more facts if those facts don't help. Um, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and then the other thing that I watched, uh, you know, let's end on a lighter note. It is called Mildrich and Schwartz. Not a lot of people are very good with impro- improvisational comedy. Um, it's also kind of a lost art. It's not, it, it was, a lot of people come from it because there's a time where improv, uh, improv comedy was huge. And then with sketch comedy and TV shows and stuff like that, there was no real reason for improv comedy because improv comedy really stretches the audience's imagination. And hate to say it, but we're in a, we're in a society now where imagination um, is kind of a lost art. And being imaginative is kind of, held to certain people and other people just need to absorb bullshit because they can't come up with their own stuff. Reading to me, I need to read more. 
but reading to me was always fun because I have a wild imagination. So for me, when I read any book, especially in high school, like Catcher in the Rye, in my mind, it's like my own little movie. I should read more because it's good for you, but also TV's great. Um, and also I like listening to things, so audiobooks are great. But for me, I've got, I've got a imagination, I've got this colorful imagination. So it's, it's so watching improv and watching these guys, Mildred, Ben Schwartz, Schwartz, uh, uh, and what's the other guy's name? I know Ben, my favorite thing about Ben Schwartz is he did that John Ralphio thing from Parks and Rec. That's what he's known for. Hilarious. But he's very good. They're both very good. I'm trying to find. And Thomas Mildrich. And he's, Thomas Mildrich is known, is from Silicon Valley, if I'm not sure. But to give you a little synopsis, comedy duo Thomas Mildrich and Ben Schwartz improvise performances based on audience suggestions from NYU Screwball Center for the Performing Arts in New York. It was great. Um, first one really hit it out of the park. Uh, so it's fun. Definitely give it a watch. I recommend it. As well as, uh, like I said, Midnight Gospel. But that one I need to be under the influence for. Thomas Mildrich and Ben Schwartz. Being an influence doesn't doesn't hurt, but not so much. You don't have to be. It's great. Just it's a great resurrection of impro improvisational comedy that I didn't know we were missing. So definitely give it a check. But thanks for tuning in. I know I did a very long, long bit on Khabib, Gaethje, Tony Gaethje. So I hope you guys enjoyed that little breakdown. Um, from here on now, I'll be, you know, smoothing down my predictions and my breakdowns for the upcoming fight. But that's my little rough draft of it. Uh, you guys could hear me think of it on the spot. And I hope you guys enjoyed the rest of it. Uh, and I'm going to be on a little bit of a break. going to go check up on some family. Um, and then I'll be back. But I will be back on a... I'll be back either Monday or Tuesday. Once again, podcast, podcast, podcast. All right. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And until next time, stay tuned. Also, yeah, just uh, binge the fuck out of this. Um, got some time. You can check it all out on SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SouthernScrapNation.com, SouthernScrap nation.com that's sunscrapnation.com for more all right guys peace